Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. We live in an age of technological wonder. At the touch of a button, an infinite source of answers to any question we might ask. Except for one. The one we thirst for. When am I going to be able to do a number two? Damn you, opioid constipation. When will it end? There is a revolution coming. Liam Neeson? The future is staring back at us like a perfect picture on glass. And this future, it must be protected. When I finally do go, it is going to be painful. But it's not like too big. Like, you can handle it. Behold the bounty of Earth. This is the tube. What are all these celebrities doing in the late winter? Call me on my cell phone. Just add device eligible. Now this. Behold the bounty of Earth. This is the cube of Rubik. This simple puzzle was actually considered unsolvable. Did they not have brains? short-sighted, utterly useless, oxygen-wasting human form of pollution, a Darwin Award-deserving, selfish coward. If your brain was donated to science, science would return it. I guess that's better than nothing. I'll be out in a minute, or five hours. Meanwhile, listen to our ad gurus dissect the Super Bowl ads. And now he was conceived after Vic Wurtz's home run in Game 3 of the 54 World Series. Colin McEnroe. Yes, that was one of the questions that came up last night, an existential question for all of us. Well, there's two. The one that uh, Kion is facing, which is when can she poop, given the fact that she has opioid constipation, uh, a disorder I didn't even really exactly know existed uh, until last night. And the other question is, what game did I was I conceived at or by or what particular sports triumph caused my parents to want to make me, uh, which came up again and again last night in a way that many of us found disconcerting. But maybe not our ad gurus who are in the studio today. Steve Wolfberg, principal and chief creative officer and principal owner and all kinds of things like that uh, at Cronin and Company in Glastonbury. Chris Knopf is chief executive officer at Minson Hokie in Avon. Uh, and Patrick Dugan is joining uh, the two uh, bad boys. Uh, we've expanded to three. He's creative director at Adams and Knight in Avon. So, uh, so many things to talk about. Uh, and But maybe the first thing, and we'd love to hear from you, by the way, if you want to, uh, if you want to tweet us at WNPR Colin, if you want to call in 860-275-7266. Uh, but uh, maybe just the place, place to begin was whether or not there were – Patrick Dugan, since you're the new guy, you can go first. Oh <laughs> uh, did you – I mean, first of all, was there an overarching sense that you had after last night? Either that com- these, the, the Super Bowl commercials are getting worse or maybe this form itself isn't going to hold together that well that much longer or – I mean – or did you think, oh, no, this was a good year. This was a year for inspiration and creativity. 
Uh, I got the sense that everyone was trying really hard uh, last night. Uh, nobody wanted to be the Debbie Downer this year. Um, last year, kind of uh, surprisingly, uh, people are referring to it already as the Somber Bowl <laughs> um, because of a couple uh, couple ads that bummed people out, the, the nationwide one. So everyone was going to go into this one uh, with feel-good ads. And I think they pretty much did that, but they also kind of played it safe. So nothing really leapt out at you. Um, there were some good ones. There were some bad ones. There were some truly weird ones. <laughs> and, and Chris, it, it, one of the things that struck me was that it's, I think, harder and harder to to find people that everybody knows and that everybody will react to pretty much the same way. So what they do, it's kind of like the, the Taylor Swift squad concept. You know, they just they put people together hoping, I guess, that you'll identify with like two-thirds of the people who are in the commercial. And that's the best they're going to be able to do because the demographic divides now are so great and the media is so fractured that we don't have kind of a common pool of, of celebrities that fit, you know, every every interest and awareness. So, they yeah, they, they have to, some of the more expensive spots they threw a lot of people in because just to do what you're saying, Colin, just to try to spread it around a little bit. But a lot of the cultural references didn't really make much sense to me in terms of the products that they were selling. <laughs> I mean, it's, That's not it seemed important. to me like that they were pitching to younger people with, with old fogies and vice versa. So uh, some of that was kind of a confusing trend. And the other thing, uh, Steve Wolfberg, is I'm, I'm wondering how well they expect us to be able to even recognize. I mean, for example, right. there's the mini commercial. The mini commercial um, uh, featured Harvey Keitel, yep. Serena Williams, Abby Wambach, T-Pain, Randy Johnson, and Tony Hawk. And as those people flew by, I mean, I know what, who Serena Williams is right. and I know who Harvey Keitel is. Right. I wasn't 100% sure. Like I had to really think. You know, I was going by pretty fast. I thought, who are those people? I think there were three or four more in there that, that they didn't, you didn't even know. I thought that the Amazon spot that had all of those celebrities yeah. was kind of fun. That was a big mashup of a lot of fun people. It reminded me of the stateroom scene from Night at the Opera from the Marx Brothers. They just kind of go into this crazy room, do silly stuff, and they all kind of stayed in their lane with their humor. Jason Schwartzman, Dan Marino was very funny. Alec Baldwin was like the ringleader of it all. Missy Elliott. I mean, that was a cacophony of just great celebrities and kind of tied together, I guess, with a good product sell, although I'm not sure. But that's a perfect example. They're talking to so many people aged, you know, 15 to 75. And, you know, how do you find one person or two people who fit for everybody? And Jeep kind of did the same thing, too. If you look at the Jeep spot with the black and white shots from, you know, World War II vets all the way up to, you know, more contemporary folks as well. Well, I want to go back to the Jeep spot because it's one that people have deep resonances with or don't. Mm. Um, but let's go back to that Amazon spot. So, so I don't know. My reaction, Patrick, was that I didn't like the writing in that spot. It was like they got all these people together and they got this kind of party atmosphere. But there wasn't – I mean, for example, at one point, Jason Schwartzman throws something at Dan Marino <laughs> right. for no real reason that I can see. Um, <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I didn't even understand sort of what the kind of comic – trope was that was being kicked out there. That one just um, more or less washed over me uh, while I saw it, when I saw it live last night. I, almost nothing stuck. And then I watched it again this morning. And it, it's like uh, an episode of the Alec Baldwin show 30 Rock, where it's coming at you so fast paced, so frenetic that you really have to watch it a couple times to really get all the jokes. 
or that there really aren't very good jokes in there at all. But Chris, that spot has another purpose, right? Which is um, to introduce us to something that many people don't know exists, which is a little bit different from most ads, right? Most ads are about telling you, you know that Hyundai makes cars, you, you know, you know that LG makes TV sets. I mean, those things, that's not news. But this is about a product, Alexa, that a lot of people don't even necessarily know or understand its capacity. So maybe in that sense, all this other stuff is just kind of gift wrapping around the idea of, well, here's this thing that exists on the Internet and you didn't know what it was. I, I still don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, maybe I, they didn't do a very good job of that. I mean, I, like Patrick, I, I was like thinking, what? What's well, this about? The way, I, the way it works is that Alec Baldwin comes to your house uh, and talks to it and that makes it work. Oh, oh really? Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Go. Thanks, all right. Colin. All right. I'm, I'm in. That's, we, I guess that we makes actually, some sense. We actually have one at home. It's, it's, you have it's the all, Alec pretty Baldwin? cool. Uh, I do not have Alec oh. Baldwin, but oh, we do I, have the, uh, <laughs> the Echo. I, I keep oh. having this, this prevailing feeling, though, is that is, I'm not the demographic. So I'm beginning I'm, – I'm finding myself doing this a lot. I start tuning out if I don't know what's going on anymore, and I just assume I've just gotten too old. Right. So uh, that's part of my problem with a lot of these spots. And I think some of the humor – I mean, clearly humor is, is, is a demographic divide. I was very confused by who they were talking to in the Snickers spot because I would think Snickers is a younger product. But to be to doing Marilyn Monroe jokes, you know, from the 1959 movie, mm-hmm. talking – does anybody get it? In the, teas- in the teaser ads, it was with the John Kennedy, you know, happy birthday, Mr. President – with Marilyn Monroe singing it, although William Defoe was singing it. It's like, I, who are they talking to? Do they know that their audience for Snickers is now people over the age of 50? So I just thought that was weird and kind of a, you know, it started great with the Betty White spot, you know, seven or eight years ago. Uh, you're not the same when you're hungry. And last year's Brady Bunch was right into the, I think, the uh, the right place. And now Marilyn Monroe, I, yeah, I, need, I didn't get that at all. You need your own teeth to eat Snickers. <laughs> you, know, you can't. It, it doesn't but, work with the. But right. let me ask you guys this. Right. I mean, could it be, is it possible that they, I mean, you guys work at ad agencies. Isn't this the first thing you think about, you know, is who who is our imagined audience? Mm-hmm. Who is the target consumer? Who is it we're trying to convert from not using this product to using this? I mean, how could how how would it be possible that they would make a Snickers commercial wanting a younger audience using this stuff? Do, do they do they just go round and round and round until they forgot what the original purpose was? I just or? wonder if they just got a good deal on Marilyn Monroe's rights. <laughs> no, seriously, because she, she was because she was all William <laughs> Defoe. I mean. Yeah. I don't know how that works at that level, quite frankly, but she was also in the Jeep spot, too. So right. they may have had a sale on Marilyn Monroe, and it's like, <laughs> wow, she's, she's famous. Let's write a spot around it. Eugene Levy is funny. He's in the spot. Mm-hmm. But again, who really yeah, remembers him? Yeah, almost unrecognizable with him. Yeah, so I, I don't know. There's a lot of – it takes a village to screw up a spot. <laughs> <laughs> and that, well said. See, it, these, you, you don't see this stuff getting made. There's a lot of people with their hands on it. And, uh, you know, your clients, you know, they're the ones who ultimately call the shots. We love our clients. Love them. Uh, we love them to death. But, you know, you, you just, you, you really, I'm sure a lot of moments have go by when somebody should have said something like, what are we doing here again? <laughs> I can think of a few spots. Yeah. Last night it, felt, it felt to me like there were a lot of spots where they're like, oh, my God, we're making a Super Bowl ad. We have to make a quote unquote Super Bowl ad right. and make it really big and really over the top. Well, no, there was one commercial that's about the phenomenon that you're talking about right now, that it takes a village to screw up a Super Bowl commercial, that you love your clients, but your clients often impose difficult demands on you. There was kind of a, a meta commercial in a way that, that looked at the whole business of making a commercial. That was the one for T-Mobile. It featured Drake. Let's just hear a few seconds of that. You used to call me on my cell phone. Good, good, pull out, good. Perfect. 
Here are the changes. I love changes. When you say call me on my cell phone, just add device eligible for upgrade after 24 months. Genius. You know what? Also, you need to include that streaming music will incur data charges. Fantastic idea. <laughs> These changes don't ruin the song at all. Here we're gonna go again! Other wireless carriers ruin everything. All right, so, so Chris, this is sort of back to what you're talking about, right? This is, you know, this is basically somebody don't, trying to do something creative, but having to deal, try, having to accommodate other stakeholders. It, that's, this is our life. Um, <laughs> so we all we all felt a little bit of a scrunching in the gut when we watched right, that, right. Uh, and it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a brilliant spot though because they get to have it both ways. They get to or three ways. It's mm-hmm. a funny spot. It's it's cool. I love the music. I love the they, they did a great job with it. And plus they got all that that's the, we call it mouse type right. <laughs> information. You know what it's called? It's called mouse type. Yeah, yeah. Little, little on, on, a, on a print ad we yeah. called mouse type. It's that little that, those little things that disclaimers yeah. and stuff. So they got they got to have the whole thing. What's nice about that spot? to me was you didn't really have to know who Drake was and I kind of did but not really I kind of recognized that song but didn't really uh, but I understood the humor of it the Canadian joke what he was saying he was great I, think he, I thought he was I think he's going to have a big career in this stuff I, I didn't really know much about him so he actually already does have a big career yeah oh he's <laughs> like, well yeah I agree with that but, I mean I recognize the name Drake and I know he's, Canadian. he's also in Degrassi High or something um, an he's actor a, he's Canadian and I believe he's Jewish too well, Canadian there Jewish you go. The triple and, play. And nice <laughs> and funny and handsome. I, yeah. I, I thought, I mean, I'm quite aware of that song. This, the song has this big reputation right. because his dancing in it is so weird and yeah. kind of borderline lame. He's kind of doing this yeah. dad wedding right. dancing right. in it. And that's sort of the joke at the end. Can we can we go in the cube right. now and dance yeah. these these this nerdy spot. people? Yeah. But I, I actually, I, I agree with what uh, Wolfberg is saying for once. Uh, uh, <laughs> the Pat, Jewish part? Yeah, no, the part about, oh. I think Drake is like, you know, he's just got this 8,000 watt smile, you know, as he's talking to these people. He was the best use of a celebrity, I think. I, I can't think of any others, but uh, most appropriate. Yeah. No, I thought that was tremendous. So let's, I, okay, we'll take a really quick break here. We'll come back. I'm going to play uh, a spot that uh, I think is Wolfberg's favorite spot of the night. <laughs> Welcome, as is our tradition. It's the day after the, the Super Bowl, so we are crunching up the Super Bowl advertising. It's just like it's a, you know, it's one of our new holidays, basically. It's the, the day that you look at the Super Bowl ads. So uh, Steve Wolfberg, uh, one of our three panelists here today, this was uh, an ad for Jeep that uh, Wolfberg and I think maybe some of our other panelists liked a lot. I've seen things no man should bear and those that every man should dare. From the beaches of Normandy to the far reaches of the earth. In my life, I have lived millions of lives. I've outrun robots and danced with dinosaurs. I've faced the faces of fear and fortitude. Well, you get the idea, except you don't get the idea, because obviously what's scrolling by is this melange of visual images, still visual images, no, nothing moves. Um, and it's everything from the battered faces of actual soldiers to Jeff Goldblum, who's in every single commercial. Right. Um, so what did you like this? What did you think was good about well, this? I thought the copy was great. Uh, I, what I liked is so how different it was from everything else. I mean, you're watching this high-def 70-inch television. Everything's in color. Everything's moving a million miles an hour. And then in the middle, these black and white fantastic photographs that are taking up only the middle part of your screen. 
come on and they just grab your attention. And now maybe because this is one of the few spots that wasn't leaked in advance is why I really liked it because Jeep uh, and Chrysler have a habit of not leaking their stuff, and there tend to be spots that are liked a lot. I just thought it was great branding. It was intrusive. It was true to the brand. Is you know doing something different than anybody else is doing. That's what it means to be a, in a Jeep, to be a Jeep owner. So I thought it was very true and it, it just a good piece of branding on, on a big stage. This is that's, uh, Steve Wolfberg from Cronin & Company. Uh, our other guests uh, are uh, Chris Knopf uh, from Minson Hoke and Patrick Dugan from Adams & Knight. So, Chris Knopf, did you, do you share Wolfberg's admiration? Yeah, I have, I'm, I'm sorry to have to say this, but I agree with everything <laughs> you said. <laughs> Make um, a note of this, folks. God, jeez. No, I, for all the reasons that Steve said, and I, and I thought the selection of the photographs was excellent. Uh, and the fact that it was it, it covered a lot uh, quite a range what we were talking about before, so it hit a lot of different kinds of people successfully, I think uh, to have Jeff Goldblum in there with uh, you know the World War II people and all that. I just thought it was um, uh, and it it, it it 's a, a an emotional spot it 's obviously not going for humor it 's going for touching the heartstrings, which can fail miserably like it did a lot last year, as Pat pointed out, and I think well like the mini spot with the black and white mm-hmm. uh, interviews or whatever that, that to me that didn't really didn't hit the heart it was it was kind of bland and blase so uh, I, I i dug it. it wasn't my favorite necessarily but i liked it it reminded it reminded me of um a very similar spot a couple years ago um dodge trucks did the god made a farmer ad which mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. just still photos and a an old sort of scratchy voiceover of uh paul harvey you don't right. really need to spend millions of dollars on production to make a, a spot that'll stand out See, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm clearly the only person in the room. I, I had a problem with this commercial, which was, to me, people who actually fought at Normandy and, like, people who are in movies with robots chasing them, they are not the same people. And to me, there's sort of a false equivalency or, or maybe not a false equivalency but, but a reality, which is that we've got that all jumbled up in our heads now. You know, we can't really – you know, it, it is all the same to us in some ways. Things, things that are historically real that involve actual human pain and things that involve, you know, CGI dinosaurs, it, it's all the same to us now. But I, I saw that commercial as a, a symptom as opposed to a triumph, I guess. So that dinosaur wasn't real? <laughs> oh, man. But C.B. King was in the spot. Did he – I mean, I'm assuming he – is known to be a Jeep owner at some point. No, I mean, they actually published a uh, an article this morning about all the sort of uh, connections each of the, each of those people had. His was one of the most tenuous. He actually uh, had, <laughs> I hated the spot. He had <laughs> covered a song called Jeep's Blues at some point wow. in his career. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, but if you go back to the tag, I guess, which is we don't make Jeep, you do. I guess right. it's to some degree this is saying everybody in this spot has something to do with Jeep. Right. Well, maybe it's a reach. Um, I wanted to swing back for a second because we're going to get into a little bit more about the use of celebrities. But uh, just to go back to the Drake uh, thing for a second, um, and, and uh, uh, Pat Dugan, you were saying, and all of you were talking about this, that in the Drake out, there were there are, okay, there are all these famous people who get in commercials. William Defoe is up uh, topside, and, and uh, Eugene Levy is uh, down below. Uh, but there are also people who are just in commercials, right? Right, right? And so you guys recognized all of those people talking to Drake, right? And, and I wish I knew their names so I could give them their due. Um, the the guy in the middle in that Drake commercial who played sort of the lead uh, client and the guy with the beard um, have been in countless commercials, and they're always extremely funny. And that's like something, if you're in the business, right, right. You, you recognize these guys, right? Yeah, immediately. 
it's a it's a parlor game around my house. Is identifying voiceovers. My wife is so sick of me saying, "Oh, that's so and so." She goes, "I've I never never heard of him." It, maybe the director <laughs> of that spot has these go to actors they like to go to, much like uh, Christopher um, the guy with the Spinal Tap. He has this kind of Christopher Guest. Christopher, yeah. Christopher yeah. Guest has his troupe, and sometimes when he does commercials, he's a director too. He brings in these certain people all the time. So these are probably the go to actors for this particular director who was hired for this spot. And uh, he said, well, I'm not even going to cast because these guys will be great and we'll make it work. So speaking of – and that's certainly true about a lot of directors, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Wes Anderson uses the same people all the time. But that raises the question – and Wolfie I – mean, actually, I was going to type this out to you, but it's too damn complicated. Uh, so we do have the um, – do we, do we have the Liam Neeson one? I think we have the Liam Neeson one, don't we? Do we have that commercial? I'm looking at the list. Sorry. We get the Liam Neeson thing up. OK. So – because one of the questions that I have is that occasionally celebrity directors are brought into – and, in fact, Wes Anderson has directed commercials. So uh, we had one last night directed by Ridley Scott um, who had proved at the Golden Globes that he doesn't really know how to manage 60 seconds of time. Uh, <laughs> and he may have proved it again last night. It had Liam Neeson. And, and initially as this commercial came on the air, I thought it might be a promo for another really bad Liam Neeson movie. Uh, but it turned out it was just for a bad commercial. So um, something about this, I mean, here's Ridley Scott, who's made some of the most acclaimed movies ever. But maybe, first of all, we could just talk in a general way before we get to the commercial about whether or not that means you can direct commercials. I mean, I assume these are separate skill sets. He, 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 he directed two of the most famous well, the, the commercials Apple, ever yeah, done. The, yeah, the Apple yeah. one. Oh, Probably right. the most famous spot was yeah. the Apple 1984. And those people of a certain vintage will also remember the Chanel number no. 5 spot mm-hmm. with the beautiful woman diving in and out of the swimming pool. And yeah. I mean, those things are iconic. They're and his brother, his late brother, Tony Scott, did tons of commercials. He did, right? yes, he did commercials. Yeah. So he yeah. just didn't have good material on this one. <laughs> Something right? went terribly wrong. Well, I believe yeah. he was the producer, not the director. I believe oh, it was oh, his production okay. company, RSA, I think his name, Ridley Scott. I think. I think we right. can probably can find that out, but it was in because because Liam Neeson was in a spot last year which made fun of his character, which was much more in the super bullying way of doing stuff. I forgot the product at this point, but that was much better use of of, of Liam last year. This year was like oh boy. All right, so here we'll hear a little bit of this spot. They're sitting in this kind of uh, futuristic-looking bar. There is a revolution coming. Excuse me. What do you mean? The future is staring back at us. Like a perfect picture on glass. And this future, it must be protected. What's it got to do with me? Look. What is it? It will change everything. That's why. I wish I could show you all the head shaking that's going on. <laughs> They're just shaking their heads. Uh, and I'm being told by uh, Jonathan Minnickley. Yeah, it's really Scott is the producer of that. I don't know if that entirely lets him off the hook. Yeah. but um, that, So yeah, there's something wrong there, right? There's something wrong in which uh, I can, I'm, I'm struggling even to remember what that was a commercial for. It starts, which is a con- it starts with the concept. It was just kind of – it seemed like a mashup like you were talking about, Pat and, and Chris. is like let's get a big star. Let's throw a gazillion dollars worth of special effects behind it. We'll put somebody young in because we're talking to a young audience. And was, that, was that young guy anybody? I don't. I not that I know. I think he was Zeppo LaBeouf, who she is younger <laughs> brother. Sounds about right. Yeah. And it just did not. They forgot the creative part. Yeah, that, yeah <laughs> it's, well, like, it's like a lot of movies. That, oh, that you know, where they forgot the writing part. Oh, that little I mean, thing. they they did everything, but you know, have a halfway decent concept and a, a well crafted script. It just that got that got lost in the process. It also had that uh, that interesting challenge of trying to show how amazing this. Uh, what, what, what LG TV? Yeah, was. LG TV. Yeah, yeah. Of course, forgetting. you're watching the LG TV on your own TV. So. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. 
That's yeah. right. Well, but Wolfberg just revealed he's got a 70-inch uh, high-def TV. So we'll watch maybe it look pretty next good year at your house. Yeah, invited. Super Bowl party at Wolfberg's you're house. You're all invited. Yeah, you're assuming we'll, we'll have forgotten by then. I'm hoping. We won't. I will have. <laughs> no, Chris will. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're talking about Super Bowl ads. I don't want to get too deep into anything uh, else because we have to go to a break here in just a second. In fact, uh, it's going to be for a little pledge break. Uh, we've got all these advertising guys here. They can probably tell our pledge people exactly what to say. Oh, by the way, the son of Ridley Scott, Jake Scott, did direct – that LG commercial. That explains that, a lot. That we didn't like so much, yeah. Um, the, um, just very quickly here, though, I, it does seem, we can come back to this, but this is something we talked about before going on the air. It does seem that another thing that's there is these multiple cultural points of reference in these commercials that really you almost need to be studying for a master's in popular culture to understand. I mean, the apartment.com commercial relied on you to know that that Wheezy is one of the is a man young Wheezy is a manifestation uh, of uh, of Lil Wayne right and that sort of George Washington and Lil Wheezy would be a joke about the Jeffersons George and Wheezy Jefferson like who's going to figure that out <laughs> if you didn't watch the teasers uh, which I think they were relying on people to to do I can't even imagine what your reaction was to that spot it was it was a mess and yeah. and, and the Jeff Goldblum character is a reference to some character that they've used in the Past for I these think he's supposed to be kind of Steve Jobs. I think he's kind of be this big high tech guru guy. He's done a, he started last year in some spots, and he's dressed in black, and he has like a microphone on, and he speaks in front of large audiences. So mm. I always thought it was kind of a mm. Steve Jobs. It's, it's a that's how it started, obviously. and then right? I think they just went to him being Jeff Goldblum in this one. <laughs> and it could be oh, that maybe. they it could be Pat's onto something that it was it's all part of a of an integrated campaign sure. that it, you see online. So you might you might be able to. You might, if you're somebody who is much more digitally aware than some of us, you might know a lot more about what was going on. Well, but I sure as hell did. That's what Squarespace did because the spot with Key and Peel was like what? Right. But you're right. supposed to go to Squarespace and see they were actually hosting a sports show. Right. And it's like I was too busy watching the football game, so you lost me. Sorry. Right. I'm pretty sure they didn't say what Squarespace was at all nope. in that. Yeah. Ad. Not a great use of them either. They're very They're funny guys. Funny. The um, yeah, and, and, and but Chris, it might be also the case that what we're doing right now is part of the strategy of some of these commercials. The fact that they're sort of missing information um, that people can then fill in by the metaphorical water cooler the next day. You know, if we're all sort of, oh, did you not get that? Here, here's what they were trying to do. Maybe the ad gets has a little afterburner to it that way. Maybe, but boy, it's that's not a terrible strategy. I think I know. I think <laughs> I know where strategy. this part is going. Which <laughs> ad this is going to end up talking about? <laughs> well, there, there, there are multiple ones. There are multiple ones that we get. So, but you're nodding, like maybe I'm nodding because I mean, certainly, I learned something today about the the, the Prius spot and those those uh, bank robbers. Yeah, I had no idea that they are part of uh, the, the show The Wire or hmm. something. So. Now I didn't. Now I'm not the type to go find out more about it. But that was interesting. It's like, who are these guys? I saw somewhere about the family name. But can you imagine telling your client our strategy is to confuse the heck out of our <laughs> audience, <laughs> right. so they'll be, they'll be trying to figure and it out tomorrow? I, and yeah. hopefully the game won't be. Will still be interesting, and people are going to watch your spot if it's in the fourth quarter. So right, right. a lot of risk. We'll come to that. But uh, we got to take a little break here. Uh, we've got our ad gurus. Uh, they'll tell me during the pledge break what we should have said during the pledge break to get you to pledge even more. But do pledge if you love our show in particular. It kind of counts on our side of the ledger if you make a pledge with the wonderful people who will be talking to you in just a few seconds. But it's uh, 1-800-584-2788. That's the number they're going to ask you to call. Or you can go online at WNPR.org. Make your pledge there. My Super Bowl takeaway? Beyonce and Jay-Z will be one of those old married couples who start to look like each other. 
Today's show was produced by Jonathan McPants and me, Kion Wolf. Greg Hill tweets for us at WNPR Colin, and our interns are Tiana Duquette and Alexandra Ingber. The part of Bill Curry was played by Jeff Goldblum. For show pages, articles, and videos of the Here and Now staff trying to spray and release a puppy monkey baby, go to our website, wnpr.org slash Colin. On tomorrow's show, how poet Elizabeth Alexander met the love of her life and then lost him. And now, back to Colin. All right. So uh, we're talking about the Super Bowl commercials. Uh, joining us from uh, Cronin and Company, we have uh, Steve Wolfberg from Minson Ho, Chris Knopf, uh, and from Adams and Knight, Patrick Dugan, making his debut here. So um, we'll just talk about uh, Puppy Monkey Baby, uh, which I I know because I looked it up, but I had forgotten is a Mountain Dew commercial. So... Um, you know, there's sort of a fine line between Chris between something that's really <laughs> clever and something that looks like it might be running around in your nightmares for the next 25 years. <laughs> I, I, as I wrote you guys early on, I, I think it's appalling and creepy as all get up, but it's a very compelling spot. <laughs> I like it. I, I just because it's so weird and it's just great. I can't say it though. I've, I've, I've stumbled over puppy bu- monkey, puppy, baby. I can't do it. Again, I can't yeah, say it quickly. <laughs> so, but we all know what we're talking yeah, about. It, yeah. it, to me, it, it, uh, Steve and I don't agree on this one. <laughs> well, I, it's just it's so weird to me. But again, it is not talking to me by any means. And maybe for those who were talking, about the, the Mountain Dew audience are loving it. I just thought it was interesting that they chose the least attractive part of the puppy, monkey, and the baby. Oh, yeah. You got the yeah. pug dog face, not the baby face. You got the diapers of the baby. I just, it was just, he licks we- just weird. The, the, the puppy it, licks him. I've, weird. <laughs> I've moved it from my best list to my worst list to the best to the worst. <laughs> I can't decide. Everyone's yeah. talking about it. That's, yeah, no, that's the that thing. I think something. it, it kind of won the night in the sense that it, it's going to be here. I think it's going to be part of our culture. We're going to come back to it a few times. Next year we make, may, may make reference to it. I feel like it's, it's you know, I, exactly what you just said. It's the best idea. It's the worst idea. Uh, but, as a, but as a result, it's going to kind of be around. All right. Let's hear a little bit of, um, uh, of uh, Christopher Walken. Uh, this is a, a, a spot called Walken Closet. I believe it's for Kia. It's for Kia, yeah. Uh, all right. Here we go. You know where my base socks are? Check the Walken Closet. Richard, are you looking for these? There are two types of people in the world... Those who are content to blend in, these people walk through life like beige socks, uninspired and bored. And there are those who expect more. They're exciting. They have pizzazz. Eventually, the beige sock people get lost or devoured by the ones who stand out. Well, anyway, this goes on, and it turns out the real ticket to your dreams is a Kia Optima. Um... (laughs) But uh, Steve Wolfberg, like I felt like uh, for most of the night that the writing was very, very weak, you know, that most of these things were they seemed more like rough drafts of an mm-hmm. idea that would be sort of polished into some kind of form with some kind of linear punch to it. This one, the writing really seemed very strong and served the interest of the concept of the spot. Clearly written with. Christopher Walken in mind. I mean, it started yeah. with the idea of the walk-in closet. And the reason why I love the spot is it's one of the ones I really wish I had thought of. The walk-in closet. Why hasn't someone come up with that before? And then it was written for Christopher Walken. Perzales, whatever, however that was done. Perfectly written for him with the idea of what would you do if Christopher Walken were in your closet. So I just enjoyed his spot from, from that perspective. Yeah, and I, I agree with everything you said. And um, uh, Walken, I mean, they used him properly. Yes. That's the thing. And they directed him properly. They, they, they shot it right. There was nothing wrong with that spot. And this, uh, th- during the whole Super Bowl, there was so many examples of poorly used celebrities and just production values dominating uh, over the creative. So it was a, a good way to give the uh, Kia a little bit of walk and edge. 
Nice. Well, but yeah, that is my question. I thought it was a great spot too. I loved it. On the other hand, I d- there's sort of the this kind of Walter Mitty esque thing that they're doing, right? That you know that you could become much more exciting than you appear to be. The guy he's talking to must be another one of these people that you all know. Right. He's in a lot of commercials. Recognized him know. a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but and so the question is, did it work that way? Would would I transfer whatever ideas I have about a Kia Optima? Uh, onto or would I release those ideas and pick up a new set of ideas from this that this is how I really will realize myself in a much more dashing way the way Mr. Walker wants me to I don't know I don't know if that's actually going to happen with that I think it was it was a fun ad but I'm not sure if it's a lasting impact yeah maybe not specifically a direct uh, connection with Walken but I do think it elevated the brand because it showed a sense of humor showed Mm -hmm. some intelligence so I I think better about Kia's all right. Sometimes you know, we've talked about some commercials that were kind of bad, the Liam Neeson commercial for the LG TV set. Sometimes it's hard to tell whether the commercial is bad or the idea or the product <laughs> that the commercial is advertising is so completely horrifying. So, um, yeah, are we ready with Rocket Mortgage? Okay, fire away. Here's what we were thinking. What if we did for mortgages what the Internet did for buying music and plane tickets and shoes? You would turn an intimidating process into an easy one. You could get a mortgage on your phone. And if it could be that easy, wouldn't more people buy homes? And wouldn't those buyers need to fill their homes with lamps and blenders and sectional couches with hand-lathed wooden legs? And wouldn't that mean all sorts of wooden leg-making opportunities for wooden leg makers? And wouldn't those new leg makers own phones from which they could quickly... I was watching this. I mean, those people, who, if you've seen The Big Short, um, <laughs> or if you lived through 2008, mm-hmm. I mean, it just... Chris, I was just sort of screaming at the TV set, no, 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 no. That kind of thinking actually almost destroyed the country. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's going to make a lot of jobs for uh, spindle-making robots right. <laughs> that are going to put all those guys out of work and they won't be able to have mortgages. It, yeah. was, it was a total disconnect. Yeah, that's the that's the sequel to the big short starting uh, right now. <laughs> right. I, I just yeah. thought, you know, I mean, there might be some ways to make an ad for this thing, but not. I uh, maybe there may or maybe there's no good way. It's fast approval for a mortgage. You, it, to try to make it something bigger, bolder, you know, earth shattering may have been a mistake. Especially the analogy they were drawing <laughs> to what you said. This is kind of what got us in trouble, people, less than ten years ago. How soon they forget? But again, okay, we're talking to twenty-two-year-olds, twenty-six-year-olds, thirty-year-olds. Maybe they don't remember, and maybe that's okay. All right. Uh, see, we're, I'm breezing us through now because uh, we were, were doing big concept stuff earlier in the show. Now we're breezing through some of the commercials. So this is one that they've all been discussing. It's been interesting to listen to three ad guys kind of discuss this commercial because they're like not 100 percent sure where they fall down on. This is a commercial for, uh, for avocados. Uh, people like avocados anyway. Why do you need a commercial for them? But anyway. Um, and plus they're also wrecking the environment, speaking of things that aren't good. Avocados like, use more – they use like you know a lake or something to make one avocado. It's like <laughs> Really, really, so the, there was this other commercial about water usage where the little girl was drinking out of her Time cupped hands while you were brushing your teeth and stuff like that. So anyway, the, it, in a way, that one smashes up against the avocado commercial because, uh, in fact, avocados use way too much water. But anyway, that's not the point. So imagine if you haven't seen the commercial. This is a very futuristic environment. There are people who basically look like they're from the cantina scene in the original Star Wars movie walking around taking a tour. Here's a little bit of what that sounds like. Behold the bounty of Earth. This is the cube of Rubik. This simple puzzle was actually considered unsolvable by the humans. Do they not have brains? Um, simple ones. 
Now, this was apparently a 21st century torture device. How long would they keep them strapped in there? Sometimes hours at a time. Pretty gruesome. And over here we have their alphabet. It was called emoji. Few symbols could express the vast extent of their emotion. Uh, they had chia pets, just like we do. And this is the white and gold dress that caused the Civil War. This is Scott Bayo. But most amazing of all are the avocados from Mexico. They're always in season, so you can enjoy them all year long. Anybody want to feed Scott Bayo? It's included in the price of admission. All right, so there it is. Uh, the, th- the torture device is uh, sitting in an airplane. Uh, that was the thing that they're making reference to. Um, so you guys, I don't know. It was, it's the one that you discussed the most inconclusively before we went here's on the my, Here's my take on it. Yeah. It's, uh, if anyone's ever gone to buy avocados, mm-hmm. you're not looking for Mexico or California. You're just looking for whatever one is ripe. And cheap. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's impossible to find ripe avocados. So that's usually the first place I start. Yeah. <laughs> I think my, my feeling was that it was trying too hard. It did have – the concept wasn't mm-hmm. terrible. Right. And it was almost like they mixed up really good lines with a bunch of lines that weren't that good. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like the whole creative department worked on it and the, the junior guys got in there. But the, there was a couple of pretty funny bits, but it just – the whole thing felt like it was just going too hard. It's like four jokes too many. I mean the opening couple of the jokes, Cuba Rubik, all that other kind of stuff. I thought the Chia Pet joke was funny. The Scott Bayo joke was funny. The dress. The, the dress – and maybe they said, you know, we've got to make this a 60 because to get people to notice, we've got to be on for 60. I'm very curious what a 30 would have been like because I thought it would have been tighter. What's the expression? I would have written a better letter, a shorter – I would have written uh, something – If I had more time, I would have written a shorter, shorter letter. Yeah. I think this is one where editing may have helped that. I think there were uh, just too many jokes. And he killed the guy at the end. Somebody yeah. got killed. Yes, yeah, so he killed oh, yeah. the guy. Yeah. 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 That he couldn't come online, back. That was the online version. Yeah. Right, yeah. The online version, he kills one of the one of the, the guys guys and <laughs> says, yes, and then he says, well, he'll regenerate, right? And then he says, no, and he mentions some other kind of alien that doesn't regenerate. How much did Scott Baio get paid for that just to stand in that case? Really, I guess, but he may have been more used online and whatever. Yeah, no, they packaged it with Marilyn Monroe and sold the rights jointly. So it was a better deal. So rather than play a bunch of other commercials, we have a limited amount of time left anyway. Uh, I want to ask all of you how much longer we're going to be having these kinds of conversations. I mean, ideally, I would like us, all three of us to go into, all four of us to go into senescence together doing this. But it does seem as though, like, some of, some of the advertisers are already migrating to other places, to on, the online, a stream of an ESPN something or other, or, like, if you're going to have to target your stuff at all these, you know, mini demographics and stuff, I assume some of this advertising is just going to go straight out online or hit other targets with it. I think that's going to keep happening, but in some ways, the Super Bowl has just gotten stronger and stronger, right? They're, they're charging more and more, and there's so so many fewer opportunities for America, America to get together and watch one event together. It's actually gotten you know more powerful over time. Yeah, and I think across the board, uh, uh, television broadcast uh, advertising is doing pretty well overall. I mean, there, there's... There, I think that slipped a little bit last year nationwide, but you know it, the, nothing can quite replace the power of a of a really good TV spot, and so it is fracturing. It is getting more targeted and all that, but I don't think it's going to disappear anytime soon. It's a communal nature, I guess. You know, people are really still looking for that, and that you get that with the Super Bowl. And you know, there are brands that their sales triple in the three months after the Super Bowl. Until that stops happening, this will continue. These big moments will continue. Big introductions, you know. Every movie seemed to be introduced during the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some of the. I just hope that they maybe stop. Although it makes us look a little less smart. 
they stop leaking some of the spots. And it just gets to be something where we're all sharing the surprise together. I, I think people will like the commercials better if they go back to doing that. But there's so much at stake. They want to make sure everybody sees the spot online first to make sure they see it at all. You know, so part, part of the irony here is that you're right. The Super Bowl is the, one of the very few communal experiences we have. So we get together, and it turns out the advertising has to be incredibly frag- fragmented and disparate because <laughs> the rest of the year we're not having communal experiences. <laughs> exactly right. We don't all know about the same things anymore. Right. Uh, so, so we're, you know, uh, just very quickly, we're almost out of time. But one thing that came up, uh, and so Jonathan McNichol raises th- this point because Sidney Ember wrote about it in The Times, is it possible to really hurt your brand with a bad commercial? You do a bad commercial, I mean, maybe you don't get your money's worth. Do, 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 uh, I'll let you start, pa- uh, Patrick. Um, do brands ever hurt themselves by just doing such a bad commercial? I'm sure they have. I can't think of any specific examples except for maybe the one we've been talking about, which is nationwide. But did that hurt them? I, I don't think so. No, Peyton Manning turned them right around with it. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think I think it can. I really do. I mean, it's, it's hard to measure these things, uh, either way. But you know, if you have a if you, if you leave with a bad feeling about it, you, you can't it can't do you any good. It's it's um, it, it can be very damaging. Yeah, likely. I mean, specific Super Bowl examples. I don't know of any, but I'm sure that some some mistakes have been made in in some forums, perhaps other than the Super Bowl. Go where Daddy. Go Daddy. I don't think has helped themselves early on. You know, mm-hmm. if you really if you really only going for one demographic and then you you alienate a whole bunch of other people, I think that's foolish. Yeah, I mean, I thought last night that the most alienating ad in some ways was the Budweiser ad that was sort of "Don't sip our beer, mm-hmm. look at our Clydesdales, shut up, go away." I, right. <laughs> I don't feel I don't feel invited puppy. in somehow. Right. They were the trying back. to alienate people, and by doing so, attract a bunch of other people. Right. Exactly. That's, right. We're, we hate craft beers. Yeah. We're not craft beers. Right. So, you know, everyone. Guzzle ours, don't sip ours. Right, exactly. The, that's right. The Audi spot also was uh, hit yeah. a little, some high. I think that's going to hurt them. Yeah. That's the one, the one with the old astronaut and uh, the David Bowie song. All right. We don't have time anymore to talk about any of this stuff. Uh, what a great panel. Patrick Dugan, uh, creative director, Adam Zanite, and Avon. Chris Knopp, chief executive officer for Minson Hoke and Avon. Steve Wolfberg is the principal and the chief creative officer at Cronin and Company in Glastonbury. Thank you very much for coming. We'll see you next year, guys. Thank you. Thank you. running the board for Colin because I'm stuck here in the bathroom with my opioid-inspired constipation. Although it's nice to know that other people saw the puppy monkey baby, not just me on the opioids.